The Money Spot, the place where we answer your money questions. I'm your host, Heather Katonga Woodward, and in this week's episode, Dee asks a question about getting financial security when you're in your 50s. This is what she has to say. Hey, Heather. Thanks for your podcast. I find it incredibly useful because it's UK specific and everything else I find seems to be geared towards the US. Anyway, my name's Dee. I'm in my 50s and have been a military stay-at-home mom all my adult life, although I went to university. Being a military wife has exposed me to so many countries and cultures, which I love, but you do sometimes encounter traumatic things, so it's nice to settle in the UK. My family currently rents and all our adult children live at home, including one that is dependent. Would like to get on the property ladder, but have been struggling with when and whether to do it. In the past, I've left all the money stuff to my husband, but now that the children are older, uh, I'd also like to start earning an income and I've been considering investment property. I want to gain some financial independence and I'd love to be able to help the children out financially. I'm so ready to make up for the time I've spent raising the children. I don't know if it's stupid that I didn't use my degree sooner, but I guess better late than never, right? Keep helping with your posts. Thanks, Heather. Hi, Dee. Firstly, I apologize if you can hear any of the fireworks in the background. Today is the 5th of November, Guy Fawkes Night, so there is fireworks going on outside. Secondly, thank you very much for this question that covers a wide range of things. I'm also very sorry that you've experienced something traumatic. Your life choices are not stupid. Many women find themselves in circumstances that mean they have to stay at home with the kids for whatever reason. So your question may well resonate with lots of other mums. Being in my mid-30s, mid to late 30s, you will forgive me for providing what might sound like a slightly overly optimistic review of your situation. Your question, as it's framed, requires me to speak to four areas. One, providing for your children, particularly the dependent child with medical needs. Two, buying property as a home. Three, buying property as an investment. And four, earning an income for yourself, which is kind of related to three, which is buying property as an investment. Firstly, let's tackle providing for your children. By letting your adult children stay at home rent-free, you are doing plenty. That alone should allow them to save for their own property deposits and is a financial boost many people, including myself, did not have. If I could have lived at home rent-free, that would have had me on the property ladder a lot sooner, even if I was just paying some kind of a nominal rent. The other thing you could do is direct your children to read the type of personal finance books that will give them ideas for how they can be financially responsible so that you don't need to worry about them. I recommend The Richest Man in Babylon and The Millionaire Next Door as good starting points. If you go to the resources, the related resources in the notes to this episode, I've got links to both. Does your child with medical needs need financial support from you as well as general support for their living? I won't touch too much upon this except to say that make sure that you're accessing all the state benefits you can for the child support, including the carer's allowance if it's applicable to you. The next area is buying a home. 
Firstly, as far as the UK is concerned, I always advise that if you get nothing else right, at least buy your own home. Own where you live. From your message, it's not clear whether or not you and your husband discuss finances, but I'm guessing that this may not be the case. I would try to get the two of you on the same page. Working as a team when it comes to building wealth can really supercharge your financial health. The UK property market is completely different to the US property market in so many ways. So I'd be a little careful before taking advice on property from US authors and podcasters. Lots of property advice on the internet tends to be US focused and that's why I'm bringing this up. To begin with, the population density of the UK is 281 people per square kilometer. That's almost 730 people per square mile. And the population density in the United States, on the other hand, is only 36 people per square kilometer. That's only 94 people per square mile, less than 100 people per square mile versus our 727. What does this mean? It means that UK property in many areas doesn't see huge price crashes. Too many people, too little land. And there is a propensity for house prices to be sticky upwards. So the sooner you can lock a price in, the better. People have been talking about a full-on price crash since I bought my first property in 2006. And you know what? London never saw one. Many parts of the UK never saw one. And I always said to those people, I'm not just buying an investment. I'm buying a home. I'm buying where I'll live. I'm buying the place that I need to own mortgage free by the time I retire. And that's the way you need to look at it. In addition, because US mortgages are fixed for the full term of 25 years, whereas UK fixed terms are only three, five, seven or 10 years, with three being the most common usually, but now five is pipped to be moving up in popularity and may soon become the most popular fix. Rates are so much lower in the UK compared to the US, almost half. The result of this is that very often, the interest you pay on your mortgage is much, much lower than rent. As an example, I live on a street where the rents range from about 1,200 to 1,500 pounds, but the interest we pay on our mortgage is just 350 pounds. By the way, it was a 25% deposit mortgage, and that's where you tend to get better interest rates starting from. The full monthly mortgage payment is about a thousand pounds, but everything above the interest of 350 is money that will come back to us if we sell our home. So provided you can get a good deposit together, you will save a lot of money by buying a home rather than renting. In the long run, Owning where you live will give you a lot of security, including the psychological comfort it provides. And transaction costs for buying a house in the UK are can be so minimal compared to the US. You get deals where the arrangement fees are paid for, the surveyor is paid for, legal fees are paid for. So really have a look at it to see what deals you can get, especially right now when we have a stamp duty holiday. And if you buy a house that's less than 500,000 pounds, you won't pay any tax on that. That is the biggest incentive ever. At 50 something, you are not told to get a mortgage and may even be able to get a mortgage of 20 plus years. However, if you owned property abroad and you sold it when you left, 
then it's well worth thinking about buying the home outright and just owning it from now. I'm also going to touch upon the state pension because I'm looking up at your financial situation holistically. So another thing that you need to consider with regard to your financial security is that even the full UK state pension only pays about £175 per week per person. That's about £760 a month. This would be double for a couple if you are entitled to the full state pension. And if you live in a home that's been completely paid off, no mortgage, then you can survive on the state pension relatively comfortably. However, as you've lived abroad for many years, you need to contact HMRC to see how many qualifying years you have. Your UK state pension will be based on your UK national insurance record and you need 10 years of UK national insurance contributions to be eligible for any amount of the new state pension and for people my age, 35 years of credit are needed in order to get the full entitlement. You might be in that generation that only needs 30 years of credit, but you do need to check. You might be able to use time spent abroad to make up the 10 qualifying years. This is most likely if you lived or worked in the European Economic Area, Gibraltar, Switzerland, and certain countries that have a social security agreement with the UK. Again, go to the related notes and I give you a link to where these certain countries are listed. I would contact HMRC as soon as possible and ask what you need to do or pay to increase your entitlement to the UK state pension. You may get national insurance credits if you can't work, for example, because of illness or disability or if you're a carer or you're unemployed. So definitely mention that you look after a child that has medical needs and if that child qualifies for certain state benefits, it actually might entitle you to more pension. So don't forget to mention that. You might also be able to pay voluntary national insurance contributions if you're not in one of these special groups but want to increase your state pension amount. Next is buying investment property. I'm just going to refer you to a couple of resources here, three resources to be specific. I recently read David Tan's The Complete No-Nonsense Guide to Becoming a UK Property Investor, the 123 on property investing, link in the related resources. And I found it useful on, on this topic. The author is based in the north of England where property is much cheaper. He is into buying property and letting out the whole house to a single group like a family, so standard single-let properties. My second resource, so in addition to David Tan's book, is that I would recommend the Inside Property Investing podcast. There are over 300 episodes, and if you binge listen to the episodes that appear interesting, you will move up the knowledge curve rapidly. The Inside Property Investing podcasters are themselves heavily into high multiple occupancy HMO properties. This is when you let a single property out to three or more unrelated people like students or professionals. The beauty of the podcast is that they regularly interview people on the show that follow a variety of different property investment strategies. And it's a UK-based podcast, so highly relevant. Now, I'll give you a little warning. Don't pay for any overly expensive property courses 
before you've gained all the knowledge that is available for free or almost free. A friend of mine recently paid £24,000 for a property course. You heard right, 24 big ones. She went 50-50 with her daughter working age and even had to put some of the cost on a credit card. She didn't just have the money sitting there. So there are a lot of property courses and teachers trying to get rich off of courses. You've been warned. Be careful. For the basics on property investing, I have a course on Udemy for under £50. This will give you all the basic knowledge you need about the property buying process in the UK. So don't just buy anything, but definitely buy my course. It provides great support to me. Thank you. Finally, earning. Let's talk about other ways you can earn. There are many jobs out there. If you just want to boost your confidence and get some money rolling in, there are plenty of jobs out there provided you're not too picky about the pay so long as you get your foot in the door. If you want to build a work life for yourself, have a look on jobs boards at what's going and start applying. If you want to build a career within a specific field that's related to your field of study, consider taking a course to freshen up your skills, a relevant course. I have no idea what your salary expectations are, but median UK income for 2020 is £30,800, according to the Office of National Statistics. After tax, that would bring home just over £2,000 a month. If, due to COVID and so on, you secured a job with a slightly lower salary of, say, £24,000 a year, that's still £1,600 a month, which definitely isn't shabby, especially if your husband earns too. A GQ article that I link to in the related resource, so go to the related resource and hyperlink to there for all my links, gives an interesting breakdown on age, occupation, and the COVID-19 pandemic's impact on earnings. I hope this helps. Far from thinking that you are too old, I am feeling so excited for you. This is a fresh start, and even over a 15-year period of work, you can build an amazing life and financial cushion. Good luck, D. Keep in touch with how you're going. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to ask me a personal finance question, please type themoneyspot.co.uk into your address bar and you'll be redirected to the exact page on my website where you can ask a question. There are three things I would love you to do. Why don't you have a look at my ebooks or courses? My property course is the top rated UK course on Udemy for people who want to begin to invest in property. My notes to debt freedom give you an A to Z guide on how you can go from debt to zero debt. And finally, my workbook B School for Money Wise Wealth Bound Kids will be a fun book that you and your kid can go through together to start teaching them all the common sense things they need to know about money so that they never ever struggle with debt. The second thing I'd love you to do is to please rate me five star on Apple Podcast. And if I don't yet deserve your five star, please send me a message and let me know how I can earn your five star rating. And finally, if you're just loving what you're hearing and the value I'm putting out there, Look into the show notes and buy your girl a coffee. Thank you. Have a great day.